Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Today's 100th episode, this train will be picking up a few passengers along the way. So grab your ticket, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and that episode starts now. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, producer, engineer of the train that's building up steam. This is yours truly, Anthony Smith. Got a couple of points of interest we're going to get to. Also, I am happy to announce that on my Saturday episode, after it's all said and done and uploaded for public listening, I will have a special guest, a young man I went to school with at Hutchison Community College. He was part of that team that won the 1987-88 national title at Hutch Community College when they were down to nine players. Sean Vanderveer is his name. He also had a brief coaching stint at Emporia State, but he's back with his buddy, I do believe, Steve McLean at Wyoming. You talk about loyalty. Those guys have forever been linked from the days of Hutch. Even when Dave Farrar took the job at Wyoming, he brought Steve McLean on. I think Sean eventually followed. Sean got his feet wet in head coaching. Like I said, Emporia State. And now he's back there in Laramie, Wyoming, with I believe Steve McLean is the coach. And he's been out there quite some time. So they are forever linked. But he will be a guest on my podcast this Saturday. But right now, I want to talk about a story because it seems like everybody is revealing their top 10, top 5 NBA list. And Big Diesel or Shaq Fu, whatever you want to call him, Shaquille O'Neal. He revealed his current top 5 NBA players. So since his move to the broadcast studio, Shaquille O'Neal has never been shy about sharing his opinions. Earlier this week, he was back at it, naming his top five current NBA players in a recent appearance on the All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. All in all, Shaq put together a solid list. He named Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid as his top five right now in the NBA. Seeing Curry, Durant, and James on Shaq's list comes as no surprise. The trio have arguably been have arguably be, arguably been the three most important players in defining the last five years in the NBA and have continued their illustrious career in 2021. Curry finds himself in a race for the league's scoring title while Durant and James have their sights set on a championship. Joel Embiid cracked the top five despite Shaq's blatant criticism of him in the past. However, the 76ers big man has turned himself into an MVP candidate and boosted the franchise to the top of the Eastern Conference in 2021. Earlier this season, O'Neal had a change of opinion and was ready to crown Embiid the league's MVP over Nikolai Jokic. He's leading, rebounding, playing inside, Shaq said in late April on TNT. Out there having fun, and his points per game is more than the Jokers. 
He's a little bit better, not a lot better. He would be a 10, and the Joker would be a 9.976241. They are very, very close. The most interesting name to appear on Shaq's list was Damian Lillard. The Portland Trailblazers star is having another incredible year, averaging 28.4 points and 7.6 assists, but hasn't gotten the recognition from around the league. Shaq decided to change that by putting him in his top five. Here's a look at Shaq's Here's a look at Shaq's basically top five as we just mentioned it. Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Joel Embiid. Although Shaq's list is pretty well-rounded, there's a few notable absences. MVP frontrunner Nikolai Jokic and reigning two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo both fell short of cracking the elite group. Kawhi Leonard and James Harden, who have missed their fair share of games this season, also didn't make the list. So, how solid of a list do you think Shaq came up with? Do you think it's a good list? Do you think the names that he left off, do you think they should have been on there instead? Or plain and simple, should Shaq have come out with maybe, let's say, a top 10 as opposed to a top 5? Be that as it may, Shaq has spoke out, and that's his list. On to some more news. NFC notes, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. ESPN Todd Archer says drafting Micah Parsons in the first round means either Cowboys linebacker Jalen Smith or Leighton Vanderich won't be with the team in 2022 for salary cap reasons. Let me just say, if I'm picking or if I'm throwing a poll question, I would say the one that will win this argument would be Leighton Vandridge probably won't be with the team in 2022. He's also been dealing with injuries as of late. As a matter of fact, I see Leighton Vandridge probably hanging up his cleats sooner than expected and probably have a job in coaching, probably right there with Dallas linebackers coach Jalen Smith I believe he will be just fine and I think that's a pretty good linebacking tandem you got Jalen Smith not to mention you bringing in Michael Parsons and Jabril Cox from LSU who some say actually maybe should have been a first rounder and to add more fuel to the fire of Leighton Vandridge probably not being around Dallas declined they Van Dredge's fifth-year option, meaning he'll be an unrestricted free agent after this season. And Smith's $9.2 million 2022 base salary is fully guaranteed the fifth day of the league next season. Archer points out Dallas could save $5 million by cutting Smith before then, which I doubt they would do. The addition of safety, Canoe Neal, who the Cowboys plan on converting to linebacker, also makes 
for a crowded room and potentially limited snaps with four players splitting three or even just two spots. Whatever happens in the future, Parsons is looking forward to learning from both Smith and Vanderich while they're around. I think they're going to take me under their wings and teach me how to be a pro football player and help me get better every day. And we're going to push each other. And I think once we all come together, we'll play at an elite level. This defense can be the best defense in the National Football League. Now that the period to sign qualifying free agents is over, over the caps, Nick Corte projects the Cowboys to receive a fourth round compensatory pick for the loss of QB Andy Dalton. Cowboys VP Stephen Jones said of second round pick cornerback Kelvin Joseph, we don't think it's a coachability issue. He has some off the field stuff we had to get comfortable with. We feel good that he has his off the field under control. So that's some news from Cowboys camp. Now, looking at the Eagles. Eagles general manager, Howie Roseman, said the team tried to trade up to pick number nine for wide receiver Devontae Smith. Can I tell you something about that? I think they are still seething over the fact. Yes, they got Jalen Hurts, but they really wanted C.D. Lamb. Just makes them sick looking at Lamb in the Cowboys uniform. And the fact that there's a meme out that says, hey, Philly, you want C.D.? And it ends by saying, C.D.'s nuts. Roseman mentioned second-round offensive linebacker, offensive lineman, Landon Dickerson, reminds him of former Eagle O-line John Runyon. Roseman also compared third-round D-tackle, defensive tackle Milton Williams, to defensive tackle Malik Jackson. Giants, per the Athletics' Dan Dugan, the Giants would have only considered drafting an offensive lineman in the first round if Oregon left tackle Pnei Sewell fell to their pick. They like Landry Dickerson and Aaron Banks in the second round, but the Eagles and 49ers respectively took them before they could pick. Dugan mentions that while the Giants liked guard Trey Smith, he had medical red flags that dropped him off their board and ultimately pushed him all the way down to the Chiefs in the sixth round. While he wouldn't rule out an addition like veteran guard Trey Turner, Dugan believes the Giants are content to bank on development from their young offensive line. A source confirmed to Dugan that the Giants would have taken wide receiver Devontae Smith at number 11 before they were sniped by the Eagles. Though the Giants have been burned by Georgia players in the past, a source told Dugan second-round off outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari's personality was the opposite of cornerback DeAndre Baker. So there are some news coming from out of the NFL with teams basically out of the NFC East. And seeing that this is Mental Health Month, and next week I'll also have the honor of getting 
former coach and great speaker and one who's bringing awareness to mental health issues, one who has dealt with depression himself, Mark Potter will be on next Tuesday. So I look forward to having him on and he'll be talking about, we'll be talking about mental health as it relates to sports. But with that being said, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we'll be looking at how Dak Prescott is helping to lead NFL revolution on mental health. So stay tuned to A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your conductor, Anthony Smith. I will be back after these messages. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com That's www.cakeybums.com www.cakeybums.com To enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month will get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast for my next segment. And as I said, as I was leading into my break, that this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. And like I said, I will be so greatly honored to have the great Mark Potter on next week to talk about this. But right now we're talking about how Dak Prescott is helping to lead NFL revolution on mental health. And we're going to play some audio and then we will get into this topic of discussion all right well we're here with Dak Prescott starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys you've been a big advocate of mental health you know as, a, as an athlete but also as a person you've really become a leader when it comes to this this topic you know mental health talking about it embracing it um how do you how does, how does that make you feel knowing that you know when people discuss this issue they, they listen to Dak Prescott they know what Dak Prescott said and it's carried weight um in the league when, when you discussed it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that that's a testament to my platform uh, and just being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And not only that, um, having experience with it, uh, you know what I mean? Losing a brother and just all the things that I've been through from fighting all the adversity and coming back to a position that I could be proud of and adversity again and bouncing back. And um, 
it, it, it's humbling in a sense that, as you said, when I talk about such an important and vital thing in, in this world, mental health, that everyone listens. But I'm also obligated to do so knowing that that ears are on me and people um, are listening for advice and people are listening to to know how they can help themselves. And as I've said before, I think the best way is to be vulnerable and talk about it. So um, I'd be remiss if I wasn't doing so myself. Do you think that the NFL is getting closer to treating mental health almost like a coachable aspect? There's, there's coaches for almost everything in, in sure. professional football. And I'm wondering if, is, could you someday have a counseling coach in, in the NFL, an NFL franchise? Yeah, so we do. I mean, we already have that. The Cowboys, uh, we have a mental coach in Chad Bolin, and we've got a, a team a team doctor uh, and Yolanda Brooks. So, I mean, we, we've already taken that step, and I know a bunch of organizations have. So, I mean, the NFL is is uh, head first and foot first and doing, the, and doing everything they can to help uh, mental health. And, I mean, you see all the unfortunate um, former players that we, we have passing and uh, in direct correlation with mental health. So, I mean, I think the NFL is obligated to do so, uh, and they have. And that, that's exciting and that's refreshing for me uh, to know that, that, as you said, that mental health is being coached like a skill, and that's exactly what it is, that, you, you have to work on it almost each and every day to, 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 for it to be where you want it to be. Once again, that was Dak Prescott. So Dak Prescott is helping to lead NFL revolution on mental health. Late in April, as Dak Prescott settled in for a sponsorship appearance, a moment unfolded that spoke to a new prioritization among NFL players. As a Zoom interview was set to roll with Dallas Cowboys quarterback, a corporate representative piped in to the video feed with a last-second boundary, a no-fly topic that raised an eyebrow, particularly given Prescott's recent voice on the topic. Suddenly, Prescott was stopping the interview before it even started. He wanted that barrier removed. The mental health guys, I'm fine with that, Prescott said. I'm going to answer it the way I want to answer it. So I'm fine with that. I'm not running from mental health questions. It was a quiet and unseen moment just days before Mental Health Awareness Month was set to kick off in the United States. If you've been around the NFL long enough, you can understand how significant it was not just because Prescott is one of the NFL's most recognizable and highly paid star quarterbacks playing for the Dallas Cowboys, no less, but because he had the opportunity to say nothing about mental health, yet went the opposite direction. Given the opportunity to evade, he chose to embrace. Rather than stay silent, he chose to speak. And in doing so, Prescott continued to push forward a conversation that has become larger, louder, and a more accepted part of the league. Hmm. Think about that, Skip Bayless. I had to put that in there. To that point, the NFL kicked off a series of health and wellness stories this week on the league's various platforms, continuing strives to make the issue a more prominent and embraced part of pro football. It's no longer just public service announcements either. Indeed, mental health is now becoming a more ingrained part of the assistant coaching equation across the NFL, which began an initiative in 2019 with the Players Association to require all franchises to hire an in-house mental health professional. Wondering if that's something that the NBA or Major League Baseball or any of your major sports will look into doing. 
as part of that initiative, the league and union require each franchise to have a licensed behavioral health clinician in the team facility for at least eight hours each week. It also requires that clinician to coordinate the mental health care needs for players. Now, two years in the making, players like Prescott have begun looking at those clinicians like they're part of the assistant coaching staff. We already have a counseling coach, the Cowboys. We have a mental coach in Chad Bowling, and we've got a team doctor in Yolanda Brooks, Prescott said. We've already taken that step, and I know a bunch of organizations have. The NFL is head first and foot first and doing everything they can to help mental health. You see all the unfortunate former players that we have passing in direct correlation with mental health. I think the NFL is obligated to help, and they have. That's exciting, and that's refreshing for me to know that mental health is being coached like a skill. That's exactly what it is. You have to work on it almost each and every day for it to be where you want it to be. Prescott's words on the subject carry weight because his life was touched by the suicide of his brother Jace last year and because Prescott opened up significantly about that tragedy and how it impacted his own mental health. It was a remarkably vulnerable moment that galvanized the NFL's players, NFL's player community to talk about a long stigmatized subject with others applauding Prescott for having the strength to push back against the league's historic attitude of frowning upon revelations of depression or self-doubt. In a league where star quarterbacks are given so much attention, Prescott opening up a very deep and personal conversation about his own mental health was a seismic event, and it instantly made him a leading NFL voice on the subject. That's a testament to my platform just being a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, Prescott said. And not only that, but having experienced it with losing a brother and just all of the things that I've been through. I'm fighting all the adversity and coming back to a position that I would that I could be proud of, then experiencing adversity again and bouncing back. It's humbling in a sense that when I talk about such an important and vital thing in this world, mental health, that everyone listens. But I'm also obligated to do so, knowing that ears are on me and people are listening for advice and people are listening to know how they can help themselves. It hasn't always been this way in the NFL, of course. We're not that far removed from a time when players talking about their own mental health was considered an admission of weakness or when things like anxiety, depression or traumatic stress disorders were the kinds of red flags that left you adrift in free agency or tumbling down draft boards. Now those subjects are becoming part of a growing conversation across the league that is very much driven by the players themselves. From Prescott's vulnerability after the loss of his brother to the outpouring of emotion from current and former players after the death of longtime wideout Vincent Jackson in February, the course of voices pushing the NFL to continue doing more for mental health is continuing to grow. We'll see part of the league's response this month as the NFL kicked off a mental health and wellness series that delves into the issue with a wide array of players discussing their own stories. The league released a trailer for the effort earlier this week, 
with a number of players speaking about mental health. Longtime NFL fullback Michael Robinson calls for more compassion, love, and patience dealing with the topic. Tight end Hayden Hurst touches on his years-long battle with depression and anxiety. Wide out DJ Chark speaks about fear beyond his control. Defensive end Solomon Thomas talks about coping mechanisms. Defensive end Joy Bosa touches on the brain being a muscle that requires a different kind of strength. And Buccaneers guard Ali Marpet notes the importance of having a support system in times of doubt. It means the world to it means the world to me to see NFL players be so vulnerable with their struggles from a mental health standpoint. Robinson says in the trailer. It was always the mightiest of the mightiest, right? The manly men. The fact that it's changing, the narrative is changing. When I first got into the NF to into the National Football League, you would have never seen any pieces like this where guys are sharing some of their some of this information. Now you're seeing guys raise their hand and say, Hey, I want to share my story. Because if my story can help somebody else out there. That's all that matters. As Prescott has said repeatedly about moving the conversation forward, I think the best way is to be vulnerable and talk about it. That's happening more than ever in the NFL, largely because the league has a growing number of players who see the exploration of their mental health as a strength to be embraced rather than a flaw to be concealed. What an interesting story. Once again, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And sometimes when you think about the, the seriousness, the issue of mental health, one has to wonder, what do you think could have been done to prevent the young man from shooting his girlfriend and going to the stadium and shooting himself. Makes you think. It had to be mental health issues. But who could, he, who could he release it to? As a matter of fact, That player and I'm going back to September the 30th because I want to bring this report up. An autopsy it says the NFL player who killed girlfriend and murdered suicide had brain damage. An autopsy performed one year after Kansas City Chiefs linebacker Javon Belcher fatally shot his 22-year-old girlfriend 
and killed himself, found signs of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE, the degenerative brain disease found in athletes and others with a history of repetitive brain images, brain injuries. Belcher 25 killed Cassandra Perkins on December the 1st, 2012, and the couple's home in the couple's home while his mother was caring for his baby daughter in a nearby room. He then sped from the residence to the chief's training facility where he shot himself in the head in front of then general manager Scott Pioli and then coach Roman Cornell. So even though it was talking about CTE brain damage, there had to be some mental health issues involved as well too. So once again, that article was timely because of the month in which we're in, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And like I said, next Tuesday, I'm looking forward to having my good friend, Mark Potter on to share some more light Once again, another programming note. This Saturday on the pod, on the A Train podcast will be longtime friend, a national championship winner at the JUCO level, a coach for Lord knows how many years, still in coaching. My good friend Sean Vanderveer. Look forward to having him on the show. With the time I have left. I have time for one more segment, and it's going to be a brief one. It's going to be a look at the way too early 2022 mock draft roundup. Stay tuned, A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Well, as if we just got over it and we're still talking about it, but yet we're moving forward. I told you the A-Train does things a little bit differently. So what we're going to do, and what am I talking about? We just got over the NFL draft, the 2021 draft, right? Well, guess what? We're now going to talk about the 2022 mock draft roundup and the early first-round favorites for the Dallas Cowboys. Once again, this is the way too early 2022 first round predictions for the Dallas Cowboys. We're just one week removed from the first round of the 2021 NFL draft and already way too early 2022 mock drafts are already flooding the Internet. It's a bit premature to predict which prospect could go where and to what team. However, for draft enthusiasts, it's still fun. We already put out a 2022 mock draft for the Dallas Cowboys. It's all in good fun, entertaining to look back on to see how far off or not the prediction was. Who are the people? Who are other people mocking the Cowboys? Let's take a look. Number 20, wide receiver, Traylon Burks, Arkansas. Ryan Wilson says a six foot three, 230 pounds. Burks is a grown man 
and while we haven't heard much about him nationally, he could end up as a wide receiver one with a good 21 season. Safety, Jordan Battle, Alabama. This is a really good safety class, and Battle will <clears throat> battle with Hamilton for that top spot next spring. Battle emerged as a starter last year for the Tide and was consistent in both coverage and against the run, finishing the year as a PFF College's seventh-ranked Power 5 safety. Throwing in excellent physical tools and the allure of Alabama in the draft, and Battle projects as a really early pick in 2022. Dallas didn't address a need of safety in this year's draft, choosing to load up at corner. Battle could be a long-term building block in the secondary as Dan Quinn attempts to reshape the unit. Number 24, edge rusher Zach Harrison, Ohio State. The Cowboys didn't focus their defensive haul much on the pass rush in 2021, so Harrison needs to be an early consideration. Number 23, offensive guard, Darian Kennard, Kentucky. A college right tackle who will likely move inside to guard in the NFL. Kennard is an ass kicker in the run game and surprised NFL scouts when he decided to pass up a spot in the top 100 to return to school. With improved consistency in pass protection, he might be able to break into the first round. Number 21, edge rusher, Majai Sanders, Cincinnati. One of my favorites from the 2020 college football season, Sanders decided to return for the 2021 season. Sanders is a juicy pass rusher with a 6'5", 260-pound frame, and seven sacks in a shortened 2020 season. The Cowboys reached for three defense defenders in round three, but still didn't have a pass rusher to work opposite Tank Lawrence in the Cowboys' 4-3 screen. 4-3 scheme. Defensive end, defensive tackle, Drake Jackson from USC. The Cowboys need to improve their defense on the on every level, which includes their pass rush. Drake Johnson had a strong freshman campaign, five and a half sacks as an edge edge player, but he could fill out and become a five-tech knee. I could go on and on with this, but that's just a little bit to whet your appetite for the way-too-early mock draft. I'm going to close out because as we're getting geared up and getting close to the NBA playoffs, how concerned should LeBron James and Lakers be right now? How concerned should they be? Well, let's see but one Stephen A. Smith has to say. Stephen A. is not always one of my favorite, but he has a tendency to sometimes when he says something, he actually makes sense at times. Maybe as y'all listen to this, some of y'all think maybe he makes more sense than I do. 
but I'm not on Stephen A's level either. I don't get paid like Stephen A. But Stephen A has something to say, and we're going to find out what it is he has to say. Well, if we can pull that audio up. You're saying it now. You're saying it now because you find yourself having to compete to avoid bubble play. And that's something that he needs to reflect upon. And like Perk said, you should be happy. You should be upset at your teammates because the Lakers should not be this bad without LeBron James. Yeah, you don't have to be what you are with him, but you could at least be a 500 team. They're like, I mean, they're like 8 and 14 in their last 22 games or so. That's unacceptable. The fact that you've fallen off to this degree should say something, particularly when you've played with LeBron enough, where even though he's the catalyst, Max, and he leads the way, you've been with him enough to know what you're supposed to be doing, even when he's not on the floor. And the fact that that doesn't appear to be the case and everything's a bit discombobulated, we got to look at Frank Vogel right now. But we also got to look at the rest of those players because you shouldn't be falling apart at the seams like this. I want to address that before I answer the question. First of all, I don't agree with that because, Stephen A., when you have a chance to get two MVPs on your roster at the same time, you're going to always do it. And that means some of the other rosters are going to be thin. You're not going to have a lot of starting caliber players. That was the Lakers. So they did a great job picking up Andre Drummond after the deadline, right, a buyout. And Dennis Schroeder is a starting caliber dude. But when you take the, the top heavy, where you put all your resources off the team. I thought the team did pretty well to stay afloat, keep their head above water, and basically be 500. Then AD got back. They got to reintegrate him. He's not 100% yet, and they started losing games. But I want to say, Perk, I think, as you would say, you are preaching the gospel this morning, brother. I think it's great that LeBron had that reaction. Normally, I would say, boy, if LeBron's going into the league like that, the league's got to examine what they're doing. In this case... He's making the NBA look great because what it shows you is even the best player in the world is biting his fingernails right now, right? So how concerned should we be about the Los Angeles Lakers and their superstars? When LeBron James returned to the lineup on Friday following a 20-game absence from a high ankle sprain, Eight days after Anthony Davis came back after missing 30 games, the Lakers seemed to have survived the simultaneous absence of their two superstars. Instead, the Lakers dropped the next two games with LeBron leaving Sunday's loss to the Toronto Raptors early due to ankle soreness and sitting out Monday's surprising win over the surging Denver Nuggets. The Lakers played both games without starting point guard Dennis Schroeder who's expected to miss 10 to 14 days due to the NBA's health and safety protocols. With James now expected to miss at least the Lakers' next two games, per ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the caveat about the Lakers being fine for the playoffs as long as their stars are healthy is in jeopardy. Will AD... LeBron and company be ready to navigate a more difficult path than they faced as number one seed in last year's bubble playoffs? Hmm. 
makes you wonder. So tell me, what do you think? Stephen A. did bring out the point. Of course, so did Max Kellerman. Maybe the reason LeBron is so anti against this playoff is because or this play-in is maybe because he don't really want to play it. It was fine last year for him. Oh, but I believe they were a number one seed, weren't they? Life is a whole lot different when you're number one seed and having to play in for your playoff life. Is that beneath LeBron to have to play in a play-in game to get into the playoffs? Well, I thank you for listening to this podcast. I believe there's a link on there where you can share or at least leave a message. I would love to hear from you. Tell me what you think. Leave a message. You could either type a message or leave a voice message. I'll be glad to hear it. And who knows if I like the question, I will present it on my next podcast. But until next time, the train is pulling into the station, signing off. Until Saturday, have a blessed evening. Look forward to being back with you. It's the A-Train.